0: Everyone who knows me knows that my dogs are never short on outfits. I buy leashes and collars like some people buy shoes and handbags. And my favorite collar is Iggy's custom-made Paco collar. Paco collars are 100% handmade from scratch by an amazing staff of artists and the quality really is unparalleled. My dogs can't have collars that don't withstand wear and tear. They hike, they swim, they roll on dead stuff. These collars are guaranteed to last a lifetime and they're designed to be worn by active dogs like mine. Iggy's collar is perfect for her. It's got purple stones, stars, and a beautiful design. There are literally thousands of design options to choose from, but don't worry. The staff at Paco loves helping customers pick out the best collar for their pets. That's exactly what they did when I went to their booth with Iggy. And they make stuff for humans too, so get over to pacocollars.com and buy the best collar you've ever had, and don't forget to enter promo code COGDOG for free shipping. we're doing some listener questions today. I really appreciate um, you guys that are asking questions on the Facebook page as well as via the email, uh, thecogdogradio at gmail.com. And so I'm going to read a few of those and answer them. The first one's from Fiona. And Fiona says, we so often talk about errorless learning and that if there is a breakdown in the dog's behavior, it's because we haven't trained it effectively. But I was wondering if this is the whole story. Are all mistakes the result of misunderstandings, lack of motivation, emotional constructs, and so on? Or can they sometimes just be nothing more than, whoops, I made a mistake? This is kind of an interesting question, and um, it can get a little circular to wrap your head around it. Because my next question is, well, maybe our mistakes, we as humans, are also um, just attached to misunderstandings, lack lack of motivation, emotional constructs, etc. Um, I definitely think that just making a mistake is fully possible, but I also always think there's a reason for the mistake. So I realize I contradicted myself just now. What I mean is that, of course, they could just make a mistake. Um, in the sense that you should not worry about it any more than that. Because if I misunderstand what a person is asking me to do, and therefore I do it wrong, it could be my prior learning history that led to the misunderstanding. It could be their communication that led to the misunderstanding. It could be that I didn't get enough sleep last night, and so I didn't process the directions appropriately, even though they explained them well. Um, it could be any one of those things, but I'm still just gonna call it a mistake. So I think that if you really wanted to cut it up and break it down, you could probably identify reasons for all mistakes, for all errors. Um, but I also think that we don't have to, that we don't have to stress that much about them. So great question, thanks, thanks for that, Fiona. Next one is from Sierra, or Ciara, or Kiara, (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, She says, do you have any advice for up-and-coming dog trainers who are just starting their dog training business? And my number one advice is um, to really pursue education um, as much as humanly possible. So learn, 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 never stop learning. Keep seeking out learning opportunities. Prioritize investing in your education. That's very, very important. Don't just figure that you'll figure it out in the field. Um, and if you're looking at a case and you're not totally sure what to do with it, get help, get advice, or send them somewhere else. Um, referrals are a really smart thing to do. And Mentors are really great and really helpful too. They're not easy to come by. But, um, you know, don't expect somebody to teach you for free. But if you see a trainer that you want to emulate, find out where they got their education. Find out if they want to teach you. And best of luck to you. So next one comes from Wendy. You mentioned on a recent podcast that you no longer get upset or ask people to leash up their dogs when you're on a walk. And how did you come to this decision? How did you train Iggy to be okay with strange dogs approaching? And what um, do you do if you feel the approaching dog might be aggressive? A lot of people had questions along this line, so I'm really happy to answer them. Um, I don't get upset or because of a lot of work that I've done kind of on my own mental health and my own anxiety. So that's why I don't get upset. I don't ask people to leash up their dogs because they never can. Um, I can count the times that people successfully leashed their dogs when I asked them to probably on one hand out of hundreds of times. Um, so I just don't bother anymore. um, how did I come to this decision? Because I wanted to be happier and enjoy my walks more. And I realized that my anger with those people was actually standing in the way of me enjoying those walks. I think a lot of people um, feel as though off-leash dogs approaching them, other people being rude, is what's stopping them from enjoying their walks, when in reality, their own anger and emotions about the situation are what's stopping them from enjoying it. And I wanted my walks to be decompression, decompressing and non anxiety provoking. And, um, so I decided to stop, to stop getting upset, to stop screaming at people. And, um, it's just been so healthy for me. And it's been really healthy for Iggy because there isn't a short answer to how did I train Iggy to be okay with strange dogs approaching Um, It's been a very, very long process because we've worked on this for a very, very long time. The two things that I think helped her the most, though, were getting Felix, who is a really delightful social dog with other dogs. And so if another dog does approach us, he would like to go meet it. Um, And so he walks up, shakes the dog's hand, says, hey, how you doing? What are you going to do? And meanwhile, Iggy can just hide behind me while that's happening. So they leave Iggy alone because they're saying hi to Felix that's been really helpful to just let her have the experience of they're not always going to come right up to you. And the other thing that's been very helpful is that I don't get upset anymore. She's very connected to me. When I yell, she gets upset. Um, And it's when I just took a deep breath and said hi to the other dog that was approaching as opposed to being aggressive towards it, she also went oh we could be nice oh this is a friend um and I'm not going to say that that is an appropriate means of behavior modification for this problem it's not but it was an important part of my process with her um and the last part of your question what do I do if I feel the approaching dog might be aggressive that certainly happens and I'm always watching for that and I Always want to be very protective of my dogs. It happens to me very, very rarely. Um, Usually I find most of the animals that I encounter that are aggressive out on walks are the ones that are trying to avoid the other dogs and can't. So if your dog is trying to avoid another dog and the other dog comes into his space, he may then act aggressive. More often than not, they're not approaching to be aggressive. So know that an approach is typically, starts out neutral to friendly most of the time. So I kind of trust that. I watch the body language. Um, I watch how it's going to play out. I pay very close attention. If I do think that that dog is hostile, um, I spray it with Spray Shield. So I've mentioned it before that I carry Spray Shield on my walks. It's canned citronella. So it's just citronella compressed into a can it looks like a can of mace and you can just clip it right on your belt or um, put it in your pocket and it works really nice as a dog deterrent spray and I don't wait for a dog fight to break out that's kind of what it's for but I don't wait for that to happen if I think the other dog um, has you know malicious intent I, I just go ahead and spray it and ask questions later so thanks Wendy that was a great question uh all right, next one comes from basically everybody on the CogDog dog uh radio Facebook page. Lots of people are asking this question. So the general question is what if decompression walks are highly arousing for your dog? Uh, chasing bird birds, rabbits, deer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What if this is happening? Well, by definition, a decompression walk should not be a highly arousing experience. It should be soothing, should be calmer Um, and so if it is cranking your dog up to the ceiling it's probably not doing the job that it needs to be doing but here's what I experience typically what I experience is that the more of a novelty this type of exercise is to your dog the more crazy he's going to be on the walk the less of a novelty it is, uh, the less crazy he's going to be. Also, um, I do have a dog that starts out really, really crazy high aroused, um, on walks. But after I have walked her for about 45 minutes to an hour, she mellows out and she, um, goes back to, or she looks more like a dog that's on a decompression walk. And so my general rule of thumb is that you walk until they calm down a little and then you walk You walk more. So basically if it takes 45 minutes for them to calm down you need to walk at least another 45 minutes after that to make sure that you have undone the initial arousal that you brought to the table and to make sure that you're actually doing some good with this walk as opposed to you know just spiking your dog into higher states of arousal. And again, my biggest piece of advice is to stop this from being such a novelty because that's part of the problem. It's a huge part of the problem. And finally, everybody wants to know um, about my GPS collars. So I did finally buy a GPS collar system. I wound up going with the Garmin Astro the, I talked about this before, that the Garmin Astro is a GPS collar, but it's not a shot collar. It's not an electronic training collar. The Garmin Alpha is the same collar, but with the training function on it. So, um, I bought the Garmin Astro and here's what I really like about it. The handheld has a topographical map on it. So, I'm aware of rivers, lakes, uh, cliffs, etc. Um, just by looking at the map so I actually know what's coming and I have a better chance to, you know, leash my dog up if he's getting towards something he shouldn't be close to. So I really like that. I also like that it shows me how far away he is from me on the handheld screen. So really cool. I recalled him the other day and he was in the woods and I couldn't see him and I recalled him. And I watched on the screen as that distance number got smaller and smaller and smaller. So I knew he was coming and I wouldn't have known otherwise because I couldn't see him. Um, And I love that. So <laughs> I'm totally geeking out on it. I basically... um haven't learned all of the functions because it's got a ton of different functions but what I'm using it for right now is just we go on a walk I put it on I did buy two of them and I can watch my little dog's names move around on the screen and know where they are Um, the battery life is pretty excellent and it just in general is a nice product that's doing a nice job and I did buy the full-size ones I didn't buy the mini and they're not too big they look kind of big and bulky but they're not too heavy um, and so I really do recommend them over something like um, one of the one of the trackers that works on cell service or wi-fi I am not into that because I so often don't have cell service when I'm out on walks. So. I broke these in in Colorado where I didn't have any cell service on a hike and I've been using them several times a week ever since and I'm really into them so again it's the Garmin Astro and I did just go ahead and walk into a Cabela's and buy it which you can obviously get it from numerous different websites so um, that's it for some listener questions this week feel free to shoot some more over and Ask some more on the CogDog Facebook page and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page and until next time, happy training.